Hi, everyone. This is Craig Valentine, and I am here with a very special guest on today's call, Bill Phillips, the author of Body for Life and the new book, Transformation. Welcome to the call, Bill. Uh, thanks, Craig. I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to support what you're doing, and I uh, really believe in it. That's great. So thanks for your time, and I've just finished reading your new book, Transformation, and it was excellent, and I know my readers are going to love it when they get a chance to get their hands on it. And it really takes the plan that you outline in Body for Life to the next level, and I, I would guess with a much more holistic approach to total body and mind transformation. Right. So my first yeah. question, my first question for you is: the subtitle is "The Mindset You Need, the Body You Want, the Life You Deserve." Um, so could you just maybe explain the motivation mindset and the power of the positive mindset, and why that's so important that you even did right. it first? Right. Yeah, I mean, really, to have the body you want and to really open up and have the life you deserve, uh, you've got to have the right mindset. And really, with uh, mindset, we have to look at the key word there is, is what is the mind? You know, what, what, is, what are we saying when we say uh, mindset? And certainly we're talking about uh, more than just the brain. Let's say that the mind is uh, principally what the, the brain does in a way similar to perhaps breathing and the lungs go together. Um, and so much of uh, successfully reshaping and renewing your body uh, and so much of changing uh, anything in your life that's not working and making it uh, go towards something that is fruitful uh, is really got to occur in the mind. And so with that uh, topic, I really look at the, a, a variety of things uh, in the Transmission book. We explore a lot of things that don't necessarily seem like they have to do with the condition of our body and the condition of our, our health in the near term and the long term. But uh, what you discover is when you look into this thing uh, deeply enough and, and long enough that uh, disease uh, is, is preventable way, way upstream when it manifests as, you know, bad patterns, of uh, unhealthy patterns of action and uh, all these things that are occurring in the mind. And so one of the most important things we've got to do before they, people have success with your program or people have success with a, a body transformation or mind transformation approach is take a look at uh, why we believe what we believe and if those beliefs uh, are really accurate. And I think that that's the principal focus of um, the, new, the new book, the new method. And really, you touch on it in, in your things and you really – you know, all of your programs work, Craig. I mean, the exercise, the turbulence training, these things work. Um, why don't people, um, you know, embrace them? Why don't people finish what they start? Why don't people even start in some cases when they want to? You know, it's because their mind limits it. And uh, if we don't believe something's going to work, then it's hard to uh, get excited or, or motivated about that. And so oftentimes what you'll see is people – get started and go for a couple weeks or a few weeks with a new uh, opportunity to change their health with exercise, with eating right, um, with many other uh, behaviors and patterns they want to improve. But eventually, the initial excitement kind of uh, wears off, and then they're left with the same limiting beliefs uh, that they had before. And if we don't address that, then I don't think people are going to uh, get the experience that they want out of it, and uh, not only that, but every time you have a setback, it seems to convince us that, no, we really can't do it. So it really is. It's in what direction is your mind set in? Positive, healthy direction? You know, what do you believe? 
And so oftentimes we never explore our beliefs. We don't realize that they're subjective, that they're really just uh, opinions that we're committed to. And so often they're, they're not accurate. And if we don't explore them and take a look at why our mind uh, produces the thoughts that it produce, uh, produces, um, we really don't have the, the full opportunity to, to make that change. And so when your mind is not set in the right direction, you, it's hard to believe that you're going to succeed. And when you, go, when you don't believe you're going to succeed, um, you lose motivation every, every single time. That's perfect. And kind of leads into the next question I had about so many of the success stories that you profile in both of your books. They always seem to have some type of turning point. So based on your research and experience, what insights do you have on that? Is, is you know, do these people just wake up and have a, a special moment where they realize that they have to change? Or is the turning point, you know, is it more psychological than physical? Um, you're right. It is, psych- it is more psychological. Um, why do people make the changes that they make? Why do people, the successful people, what has to happen uh, in their mind and with their um, ideas to make a, a really successful uh, transformation? There's two, two main categories for that, Craig. Uh, the first is inspiration, and the second is desperation. So uh, by one or the other, people find themselves at this uh, point where they're truly ready to commit. Uh, and commit to doing something wholeheartedly and to sustain that. So if, if, let's look at the example of inspiration. People might see someone they know uh, make a really wonderful change in their life. Um, that this can, you know, this can inspire them to believe that they can do it too. And oftentimes they'll, you know, out of, out of that excitement and that positivity, they'll jump into something and they'll, they'll commit wholeheartedly. And, uh, and really have wonderful results with it. They might also see uh, a movie. They might see a, a, a success story. You know, we, we share them um, on Transmission.com with uh, the short films we have of people who've uh, made wonderful changes. Um, that uh, it really helps open their mind, I think, and, and to see and believe that something better is out there for them. A lot of times people don't know there's something better out there. And, and uh you know, we accept a so-so life or a so-so condition and maybe even get to a point where things are pretty good, but then settle at that. And I think that inspiration can take you from uh, an okay or a relatively good uh, experience of life to a great one. And that doesn't always uh, happen for for folks. So the longer you go the, uh, without making changes, the more likely it is you'll end at the, at the uh, second factor which is desperation, and that's uh, where you hear about people hitting a rock bottom. Uh, it's kind of like a checkmate where there's no more moves you can make um, uh, and get out alive. It's, it's kind of a choice you have, which is change or die. And even then, Craig, a lot of people don't make the decision to change. So even when people come about uh, this uh, commitment through uh, desperation, I still have a, a great deal of respect and admiration for them because it takes courage even then, to say, I'm willing to change, I'm ready to change, and really commit to it. And sometimes people talk about rock bottom as if it's um, it's an objective thing, like there's a, a defined rock bottom, and I don't think there is. You know, let's maybe consider rock bottom as um, a, a floor on an elevator. You know, we can get out wherever we want, on the fifth floor, the third floor. You know, we don't have to wait until it crashes through 
the lowest point uh, or, the, or the basement level. So oftentimes people realize that the direction they're going uh, isn't going to be a healthy one. It isn't going to facilitate a good life for them. And we can kind of project that. We can go into that and consider that and then realize and feel the desperation to change now instead of waiting until, you know, another 20 years or even one year goes by before making a really wonderful change in your life. And you're right, Craig, I've seen that happen so many times, and I'm sure you have too. Um, and my experience has really led me to one of those two things has to happen first, and the turning point will come about by inspiration or desperation. Powerful stuff. Now, in your in your new book, you talk about your friend Marty, uh, who's an older gentleman. He shows that it's never too late to change. But unfortunately, some of the folks listening might still be a little skeptical, or they might think, you know, somebody else can do it, but I can't. So is there any advice right. that you might give to those types of to those folks listening? Right. Well, again, we're talking about those limiting beliefs. You know, and so many folks believe that after a certain age, we can't change our health or change the course of our life. And, of course, that's not true at all. You've seen it happen to uh, people of all ages, and, and so have I. Um, you, but I see a lot of people that think um, and mistakenly believe that, you know, kind of the deterioration of the, of the body, um, which uh, which happens to so many folks, is a natural part of the aging process, and it's really not. What it amounts to is the uh, time uh, that we've neglected uh, our health and not taken care of ourselves. So it's more maybe the um, the compounding effect of neglect over time uh, than it is really age. And I think that what we can do, again, is take a look at, you know, is it true? Is what I believe accurate? Okay? And you can we can look for evidence. Is there anybody who's in their 50s or 60s who, uh, and, and, you know, I used to think that 40 was old, but now that I'm 45, I don't really think 45 is old um, because I'm still able to, uh, you know, do things that I never thought I could do before. And that's what happened with Marty. You know, you mentioned him. He's a, He was a gray-haired uh, grandfather when I met him uh, two and a half years ago. And uh, he didn't believe that he was going to be able to change, but yet he was in a position where he had to, you know, where he had to. His uh, son passed away. Uh, his son, an Iraq uh, war hero, passed away. And uh, Marty was left with this big responsibility of helping to uh, raise uh, his son's three sons. So he realized that it, it was really important that, that he lived. Um, so Marty weighed about 260 pounds, a little over 260 pounds, in January of 2008. And in October of 2008, uh, we uh, we ran a marathon together. It was, it was our first marathon for both of us. Um, and we both weighed around 190. And uh, here's a guy. He's a grandfather. He's, he's uh, about 60 years old. And he never trained for uh, weight loss or uh, muscularity or, or endurance before, and he had all those things. He lost uh, 70 pounds, um, pretty much lost the weight, weight by summer, and then worked on his aerobic conditioning and did something. I mean, he became an athlete uh, and accomplished things uh, at, at nearly 60, uh, better things than he did at any other point in his life. So I think when we say, hey, how can I believe that it's possible for me too, we really need to look at the evidence. You know, there's people out there, uh, making these changes. These are real people making real changes. 
And, you know, it's true. Um, if they can do it, you know, so can you. And that's a really positive belief. Perfect. And, and that really brings us to the next question nicely. You know, when you when Marty was first getting started, you know, how what kind of advice do you give to someone like that who's overweight and is just getting started and needs to overcome unhealthy habits and put new habits into place? You know, how, and, and another question in addition to that is, how many things can people really change at once and still have a good chance to succeed? Right. You know, the three things that really have to happen for us to get started off on the on the right foot. Uh, you know, I, I suggest that people take a good, honest look at where they are now. And, of course, the before photo is a big part of that. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's true that, a, that that picture is worth a thousand uh, words, if not much more. And along with that photo, you know, we um, do well when we, you know, admit and, and honestly look at it and confess, you know, what are the, the behaviors, what are the thoughts, what are the bad habits or even addictive habits that go along with that condition because obviously the condition is the product of uh, what we're doing and what we're doing is a is produced by what we're thinking and what we believe and our mindset so we need to get all that that we can out in front of us the before photo uh, what am i doing is is my you know what are what are three of my unhealthy habits is it uh, drinking uh, too much uh, beer is it eating you know, not planning my eating and, and just, uh, you know, grabbing fast food on, at an impulse whenever um, I get hungry? Or am I eating to, you know, uh, uh, resolve or soothe uh, emotions? And a lot of these things are going to come out. And awareness is such a huge part of this process. And to become aware that, I'm, you know, this is the condition I'm in and it's not good. I You know, even a, a non a medical doctor can look at a photo and say, wow, that's that's um, that's an unhealthy condition. And we all have that. But I think that without really becoming consciously aware of the condition we're in and accepting responsibility that, for the most part, you know, where I'm at now is uh, is my own responsibility. You know, it's, uh, it's my fault, you know, that I didn't start exercise or, or good nutrition or uh, get involved in something positive before now. And from that position... It sounds like it's, uh, you know, we're doing things like to admit our weaknesses and we uh, admit our faults, but it's really an empowering uh, position because when we're responsible for something, Craig, as you, as you know, we also have the power to change it. We don't have to wait for an external event to occur. We can change that ourselves. And so the second thing I recommend is that people truly commit to making a change, whether that's following one of your programs or uh, getting involved in the transformation uh, project, the 18 steps that we uh, we teach now, the, um, the there's a difference between you know kind of making a subtle agreement with yourself that yeah I'm going to do this um, and a commitment. You know the commitment always involves an awareness of of the reasons why I'm doing it. What motivates me? Uh, what inspires me to uh, make these changes? And so oftentimes. People uh, have the reasons all around them. They just don't associate them uh, with uh, with the uh, decision they're making. The kids, you know, I work with a lot of parents, and um, uh, if if kids are truly going to uh, get healthy and and stop this uh, uh, pandemic of uh, childhood obesity and all the uh, psychological and uh, disease uh, conditions that occur secondary to that, 
um, the parents have to get healthy. And so a reason for making the decision to make healthy changes is very often um, so that, you know, so that our kids have a healthier life and so that, you know, um, they don't uh, get stuck with these uh, decisions and patterns that have been so difficult for our generation, Craig. And that really sends a different message to the, you know, kind of like your deepest parts of the mind where you can say, I know why it's important that I do this. And sometimes that reason um, will, one reason like that, will wipe out a thousand excuses. And so if you don't know your reason, um, consider it. Find out. You know, the better your reasons, the better your results. And that's, that's virtually always the case. And the third thing that people have to do, and, and you know this uh, very well, uh, is that they got to take action. There's really no way to get started without getting started. And, you know, when we look at things that uh, patterns of action, thought patterns, um, even addictive uh, patterns and habits, they only get changed uh, in one way, and that is to do something different. You know, when we have a habit of not exercising, the only way to, to break that is to start exercising. You know, we begin to do something healthy like that, and we um, follow through one day at a time. We can change the way we think, and we can start beginning. Uh, we can start to begin to feel that, you know, it's natural for me to exercise. I'm a person who exercises. I'm a person who takes care of myself. And these, the actions, therefore, can uh, recreate our beliefs. And pretty soon, uh, after about a month into it, you'll find that it's more uh, natural uh, to do the things than not do the things. And that's a really, really uh, big and important uh, aspect of this. I'm sure that um, everybody that has ever followed through on something knows the positive feedback they get, and it's very motivating. It's very motivating to take action, too. So a lot of times uh, procrastination gets worse and worse uh, the longer we sit with it. And as soon as we get up and do something, everything starts to change. Perfect. And then, you know, you write a lot about in your new book about uh, helping transform America and, and take America from worst to first. So can you tell us a bit more about your goal with that and also a little bit more about the Transformation.com community, which you kind of mentioned, and the role of right. the online social support there in changing the health and fitness of America? Right. Well, I, I say, Craig, that my intention is to do everything I can uh, to sa uh, support a very real health transformation in America. And as you know, 160 million Americans are suffering right now from preventable ill health, and uh, the first symptoms of this are very often uh, overweight and obesity. And, you know, we know, we know it's being uh, produced by calorie toxicity, which means the chronic consumption of, of more food, of more calories, than our bodies need, and it's extremely toxic. We don't talk about it that much in the mainstream, um, but overweight and obesity are, at, you know, they have to include an element of chronic overfeeding, of calorie toxicity. Um, that combined with inactivity, uh, which, you know, is, is as much a part of the American lifestyle as, as uh, baseball and apple pie these days, uh, you've got a real problem. Now, I take that intention, I transform it into a goal when I say um, my goal is to help America uh, go from worst to first, uh, ideally within 10 years and certainly uh, within this lifetime. And when I say worst, I mean America is dead last on the list 
of uh, healthy modern nations, and approximately 32% of our population is truly healthy right now. And to make the change from worst to first, we need to get that number up to 57%. And that would move us ahead of Japan, which is presently the most uh, healthy nation. Um, so how can we do that, Craig? How can we do that? Um, well, we don't need a scientific breakthrough. You know, we don't need a miracle pill or some new treatment that a, do a doctor can provide for us. Um, you know, we need to do what we said. We need to believe that we can make these changes. We need to believe that it's important to make these changes. We need to accept responsibility for making these changes. And, and um, you know, we need to change the way we're living. And, you know, I think that if we really look at the amount of suffering, uh, you know, uh, premature death and the amount of uh, just enjoyment that we're, we're losing and what we're giving up in America um, on a daily basis, uh, this change makes remarkable sense. And not only that, but from a financial standpoint, um, you know, I think that uh, it's, it's going to break, you know, it's, it really has a chance to break the economy. You know, there's a doctor named Phillips James who uh, is a, a leading researcher on an overweight and obesity task force, and he said that the problem that we're dealing with uh, is very well accepted is going to overwhelm every medical system in the world. And, you know, you really don't think about it on that, that level, but, you know, if, uh, if the generation that we're in, um, you know, continues to uh, produce as many overweight and obese and unhealthy and unfit uh, people, the amount of people getting uh, treatment for diabetes, uh, certain forms of cancer, heart disease, depression, I mean, it's going to overwhelm uh, the medical system. We don't have enough doctors. We don't have enough nurses. We don't have enough uh, resources uh, to sustain, um, you know, the, the direction we're going. And so when I say, you know, let's transform the nation, worst to first, let's transform the nation, um, you know, I'm asking for everybody, you know, to, to do their part. And, of course, most people can make a big contribution by changing themselves. Get an exercise program. Consider how you can eat healthier and commit to that. Find your reasons. I want to be a part of the transformation of America. I want my kids to see a positive example. I want to feel better. I want to be more successful in everything I do. Well, the place to begin with that and, and, and have a wonderful result is change the way you're thinking, change the way you're living, make being healthy a, a high priority, make it a, you know, make it urgent each day to get your exercise and, and help others and, um, you know, eat in a way that nurtures your health, and I consider what you're doing, uh, Craig, right, you know, right in line with with that. And you're helping people discover, you know, exciting, result-producing ways to exercise and and become uh, more athletic and and healthier. And if everybody would do their part, I mean, this could really happen. Matter of fact, this will really happen. Uh, this will really happen uh, if more and more people accept their responsibility and do their part. And you know, folks like you. Um, and many others are, are participating every day. This is something that, uh, you know, that, you know, you feel a passion for and I feel a passion for and, and many others do also. It, it just would help if more people recognized the opportunity to pitch in and we can, together we can accomplish something, you know, truly spectacular. And that, uh, again, that's from 32% of the population healthy to 57% of the population uh, being healthy. And I, I'm convinced that's possible. And so how does uh, Transformation.com play a role in that, both online and 
in the community so they can and create there and give uh, social support to other people. And also, are you creating offline communities for social support there right. as well? Well, Craig, the most important thing I've uh, discovered since I wrote Body for Life uh, about a decade ago is the uh, power of, uh, of a supportive community. And back then, uh, with uh, Body for Life in the EAS days, we didn't really have uh, a community uh, aspect of this. I mean, some people would meet up at local gyms or, at, uh, you know, and, and get together. They'd have friends that are doing uh, the program. But there really wasn't uh, a hub. There wasn't a headquarters for the community to connect and for them to share the support and encouragement uh, that they do. And so with Transformation.com, I really just uh, wanted to create a gathering place for people who are having a similar experience. And when I say similar, I mean they're coming there through inspiration or desperation. And if they're struggling and if they're in a, a tough spot, it is so incredibly helpful for them to connect with somebody who was in that place before, who was, uh, for example, we have more people over 100 pounds, um, you know, that have 100 pounds to go to be uh, uh, healthy than I ever imagined. I mean, I really never imagined the number of people that, uh, you know, would connect through transformation who, you know, really need to become 100 pounds lighter, 100 pounds or more. Um, and when you get to the site and you share your goal, um, and you meet somebody, somebody comes along and says, hey, uh, you know, two years ago or even a year ago, I was where you are now. And I just wanted to share that you can do it. These are my pictures. This is my um, uh, experience. And if I can help you, please uh, don't feel or please feel free to ask. And that support right there, that connection makes all the difference in the world. And, of course, I talk about this Harvard study from 2009 where, um, the researchers are looking into these four different uh, uh, macronutrient profiles uh, and to determine what is the best eating method, or they called it the best diet, for uh, treating overweight and obesity. And, uh, all of the eating approaches, which included like a high-fat uh, Atkins-type approach or a, um, a balanced carbohydrate-protein uh, essential fat approach, um, that all of the macronutrient profiles uh, basically worked. You know, when people uh, limited their calories, they uh, they had um, a, a healthy effect. Um, and it wasn't the intention of the study to discover this, but I noticed it on the second to last page of the report in the New England Journal of Medicine. Um, and it showed that people who attended uh, support group meetings once a week, or an average of once a week, um, had 225% better results. And this was in the short term and especially in the long term, and long term in this study was two years. So the number of people who got healthy was greater uh, when they had support of a community, and the number of people who stayed healthy, you know, um, were able to sustain it uh, was way up. I mean, more than doubled, more than doubled. And so they really concluded that the results of that study indicate that more than uh, macronutrient profile, more important than the combination of foods you're eating, is finding the right support. And so with this uh, information, I'm just, you know, I, I can't recommend uh, highly enough that people find uh, others who they can connect with to go through this process together. And when they do, you're going to get support and encouragement. One of the most important things is support and encouragement um, and that connection I talked about. The second thing you're going to get if you're participating in a community is um, accountability. 
You know, we all need accountability to uh, maximize, you know, our potential and get good results and follow through. And, and um, you know, you get that in a community. And the third thing is the opportunity to help other people. And we don't often talk about that in, in uh, you know, in, in change, you know, changing our bodies and such, but it's a big part of it. And in the, in the book I talked about something called um, uh, helpers high and uh, the good feeling that people get, but also helping therapy. And that is that many of our own um, issues, many of our own uh, patterns, many of our own uh, addictions and uh, troubles are, are, are kind of healed and often resolved as a result of helping others. And in the community, you can be a beginner and you can help support and encourage others and that makes a big difference all the way around. And what's happened, Craig, I'll tell you, um, people are meeting from the community, thousands of people from, mostly from America, but some Canada, some Australia, South Africa. Um, we've even got uh, some members in Iraq and Afghanistan, their kids over there uh, fighting those um, uh, brutal wars. And what they're doing is they're, uh, you know, on their own, they're, they're forming local groups. So every week or Every two weeks, people are getting together in Denver and San Diego, Los Angeles, Delaware, um, in uh, Akron, Ohio, and Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Seattle, Washington, and all over the place, uh, 10 people, 15 people, 8 people are coming together um, to talk and to make that connection. And it really is beyond anything I ever imagined. And I would say that is the biggest factor in the wonderful results that I see people making with this system. Um, which includes, you know, all the good stuff I taught in Body for Life and more, um, but they're getting such incredible results. So community is something that's hard to be successful without. Wow, that's that's really uplifting. It's great to hear that people are really coming together like that. All right, so I think what a lot of people have on their minds is, and you talked a little bit about Body for Life, but I think people want to know how you're training and what you're your nutrition is like these days. So, Bill, can you tell us, you know, a little bit about how you decide to run in the marathons and how your fitness and nutrition views have changed in the past 10 years since Body for Life? Right. Well, Craig, we, we know that the, um, the principles behind the Body for Life program um, are really the standard for uh, becoming leaner and stronger and getting more muscular and, and uh, really building and reshaping the body. I mean, it is the standard. You, you utilize it as a, you know, as a, as a principle in your programs. You know the science behind these things, that uh, shorter workouts very often produce better results, um, doing more intensity, interval intensity. These things are remarkably effective, and those are incorporated. Also, progressive resistance with the weight training and uh, leaving plenty of time for recovery. All these things are incorporated into any good, um, you know, physical transformation uh, program and they've always worked you know 50 years from now they'll they'll still work and so when I want to change my body and, and build up my uh, chest and arms and uh, get my waist measurement down I am always doing a similar uh, workout to body for life and that is uh, strength training for my upper body strength training for my lower body on another day and some uh, intense uh, interval uh, aerobic conditioning now, the marathon thing came about as a, kind of a challenge that uh, Marty and I got into back in 2008. And I told him if he uh, lost, uh, 
you know, more than 50 pounds uh, on his 18-week transformation, I said, uh, I said, well, I'll run a marathon. And it was kind of like a, uh, a quip, kind of like a, a bravado, just kind of a thing I say. Well, he didn't lose 50 pounds. He lost 71 pounds in 18 weeks. And lo and behold, uh, the guy was able to run five miles, eight miles. He got up to 10 miles. And I said, well, that's it. I said, you're running the marathon with me. So we went to Denver in October of 2008, and uh, somehow we made it through our first marathon together. And a lot of other people joined us, and I realized, you know what, this is a great community activity. I mean, it, you know, we can't, you know, the community can't get in a fitness contest or a powerlifting contest or a bodybuilding contest together, um, but we could do this together. And I think if anybody out there wants to, you know, really break a lot of limiting beliefs, um, get involved and run a marathon someday. It will totally change your mindset and what you believe you're you're capable of, both mentally and physically. And so now we do the uh, marathon as a kind of a challenge course and a confidence course. A lot of people are overcoming uh, some tremendous adversity and and some uh, conflicting opinions about what they're really capable of. And you know, sometimes at uh, motivational seminars, they have people walk on hot coals and. You know, this is um, kind of a confidence or courage um, building program. And I don't know if that really works in the long term um, as much. And maybe it's more of a thing to just uh, get an immediate feeling of, um, of confidence. But a real confidence course, a true, a truly empowering experience like running a marathon is with you forever. And if you ever question, you know, can I push myself? Can I accomplish something beyond uh, what I thought I could or what I believed I could, you know, get out there and, and, and do that marathon and your beliefs will change. And that, not just for physical, but for accomplishing things that might take the mental endurance or even the social spiritual um, risk taking that it uh, is required to make truly great changes. And so how do I change from, uh, how do I train for a marathon? How do I change my training? Um yeah, you do, you know, it, it does require an alteration. Um, I go to running uh, or aerobic exercise four days a week and weight training uh, once or twice a week. And when I do weight train, I pretty much do a whole body workout. Let's say maybe on Tuesday I'll do uh, bench press, flies, uh, shoulder press, uh, side raises, uh, some pull-ups or, or lat pull-downs, bent over rowing, uh, bicep curls, tricep extensions. And then I'll move into a few sets of uh, lunges or squats, leg extensions, and leg curls. And I do that, Craig, all in one day. And the intensity isn't like it would be if I were trying to build muscle and reshape my body. Uh, what I'm really doing is trying to keep those uh, muscles active, uh, healthy, um, and, and trying to extend their endurance um, and, and not lose muscle because the marathon training is – you know, it's got a reputation for being um, very, very uh, uh, hard on muscle mass. And from what I've discovered, that's absolutely true. It's hard to train for a marathon or run a marathon without losing muscle. And so by getting into weight training, you know, I'm, I'm trying to mitigate that. I'm trying to prevent that. And the way that i got to change in the nutrition is I, I take pretty much everything up to two portions of carbohydrate for one portion of protein and, of course, get the essential fatty acids, still eating frequently, 
five, six times a day with one free day, which is the day I take a break and eat anything I want. Um, and that, that approach is something I'll do for three months. I'm, I'm in it right now as I move towards uh, another Denver Marathon in, in eight weeks. And, uh, but after that, I'll take a couple weeks off, and then I'll go back to more of a body for life program or a weight training program to uh, get my, you know, especially my upper body mass. I don't want to ever, you know, start to let go of that muscle mass uh, because, you know, when we age, you know, it's, uh, you know, a big problem is the loss of muscle mass, which can, uh, goes along with loss of bone mass. And so I don't want to get too far um, off in that direction. So I'll alternate marathon training versus, um, you know, practically a, a bodybuilding approach for a few months a year. Great stuff. And, you know, congratulations on the marathon. It sounds like you had a lot of fun with that. You know, it's fun when you're done, Craig. I mean, when you cross the finish line, then you can say it's fun. Uh, when you're in it, it it's you know, it really is a mental challenge, you know, because my legs will move, but my mind doesn't believe they'll move. Um, and so you just have to really persist one step at a time. Um, but it's a really great feeling of accomplishment. It's a lot of fun to be standing at the finish line with uh, hundreds of po- folks who are having this um, positive experience together. And, you know, the way that people are changing because of it um, is, is truly remarkable. And, again, it kind of came about in a way that I didn't expect. Very cool. And later in your book, uh, in Transformation, you discuss a really cool topic, and that, that is finding happiness. Can you tell us why you included that and one cool action step that listeners can take to bring more happiness into their own lives? Yeah. You know, it, it, it is, again, that's something that we don't really associate with, um, uh, with uh, you know, with health. I mean, the, the idea of uh, being uh, happy seems like, well, maybe we'll get happy some point in our life, uh, consistently uh, joyful, consistently happy. But uh, the fact is that, you know, if you really look at it, uh, depression is the leading cause of death in the United States. Depression is the leading cause of death in the United States. Um, Depression leads to addiction. Depression uh, leads to, you know, additional neglect. If we haven't been exercising, it creates depression. I mean, the devastating effects of inactivity and poor nutrition, um, you know, depress the system. I mean, it's devastating what happens to a person's energy, to their mindset, to their ability to be optimistic, to their motivation. And, you know, it's a, it's a terrible way to live. And that is just being active and overeating, or inactive and overeating. So how do we, you know, cultivate, um, you know, the opposite of depression? How do we truly get to a point where we've got uh, a legitimate inner, inner happiness that we're fulfilled and that we're uh, life is fun. Not just uh, not not only can we endure it, but it becomes really fun. And one of the things I teach in the new book is uh, the importance of laughter. And um, you know, most people don't think of it that way, but we've all heard the you know the saying, "Laughter is the best medicine." And according to some studies at UCLA and uh, uh, Loyola Marymount University out here in California, that's uh, that that is absolutely the case. So. Uh, laughter and positive emotions, you know, increase the strength of the immune system significantly. That was shown also at a Harvard study um, where uh, when you're laughing, when you're smiling, when you're, when you're watching something fun or when you're participating in a game, uh, if the scientists, you know, take your blood and measure the strength of your immune system, it is radically different when we're happy versus, you know, concerned or depressed or anxious or fearful. 
And over time, you're going to see that people who maintain a positive emotional state that can laugh, that can have fun with things, um, are consistently healthier, consistently happier, consistently uh, younger. I mean, it seems like they, it's, it's, it's a uh, secret for uh, youthful aging, I think, too, and healthy aging. So what I recommend to people is to, you know, literally make it a priority uh, to go out with friends and see funny movies, to, I mean, literally identify, um, you know, their favorite funny videos on YouTube and to really keep them around as, as uh, you know, and tend to use them every day like they would an important supplement. And, you know, again, we're, I'm bringing people's attention to, you know, what else can I do to be healthier? What else can I do to um, make my life better? And, you know, beyond exercise, nutrition, goal setting, uh, and making a difference in the lives of others, happiness, laughter, having fun, getting involved in games, uh, accepting challenges can often be fun. It, uh, it's a big, important um, uh, piece of the project. So I try to do a lot of that myself. Very great. And so, uh, Bill, thanks so much for being on the call. I know you have to, to run off now. Just one last question. You know, congratulations, first of all, on your book and the new website. And what is next for Bill Phillips? So you got the marathon coming up. Anything else right. uh, really big that you want to share with our listeners? Right. Well, no, I, I do. For my training approach right now, I'm, um, you know, I've got the marathon coming up in uh, eight weeks. Um, beyond that, where I would like to go with this uh, transformation work is I'd, uh, you know, like to really, you know, see more people getting involved like you are, uh, more people that have the ability to teach and the ability to uh, encourage. Uh, others to get involved and do that and on any level they can. If it's service work, if they just uh, want to uh, share what they know uh, with uh, two or three people or even one other person, they're making a difference. And um, in terms of um, what I would like to achieve in a, 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 on, on, a, on a more, um, um, uh, like on a, on, a, on a national scale, is that uh, there's an initiative that I'm going to continue to work towards uh, which is uh, seeing if doctors uh, can't really get the message um, and, and create a standard for uh, healthcare where uh, we help people uh, and, we, and we intervene as, as doctors far earlier in the um, in the process. You know, back when somebody is 25 pounds overweight, you know, we always know that if it continues to go on that direction diabetes, heart disease, certain forms of cancer, depression, these are all going to happen to the person. And, and so often in America today, we don't diagnose, we don't make recommendations. You know, a doctor doesn't make recommendations um, or even write a prescription for, for exercise and good nutrition when they have the opportunity to do so. And what happens is uh, people go far too long without recognizing how serious the condition is. And uh, in far too many cases, uh, it results in, uh, catastrophic, uh, catastrophic uh, health crisis, and it, and it just breaks my heart to see people suffer when they don't have to. And I think that from our medical standpoint, we really need to have a policy change so that doctors can make recommendations, can intervene, and even if all they're doing is writing a prescription for, you know, four times 30 minutes of exercise a week, it could really make a big difference. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it, and I encourage everyone listening to to get your new book, Transformation. It's wonderful, and also to check out your online community at transformation.com. Uh, thanks again for being on the call. Is there anything else you want to add? 
No, I'd just like to uh, express my appreciation to you, Craig. I, I, I said it at the top of the show. I really believe in what you're doing. I want to encourage you to uh, keep up the good work. Great, thanks. And I hope that uh, many people have been inspired to, first of all, make their own transformation and also go out and help others. So thanks, yeah. everyone, for listening. This is Craig Valentine, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye, everyone.